Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba. Welcome to this week's show. It's episode 10. We're whizzing through the episodes this season. We've got a good good rhythm about us, and we're going to review the first week of Elite Serien this week. And we're also going to look, we're going to go back to Sweden as well in part two and sort of look at the latest goings on in Osvenskan. This will be our first episode for quite some time where we have both leagues covered. So strap yourself in and I hope you're going to enjoy this week's show. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend Steve Wiss. Steve, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Thank you, Jonathan. I hope you, uh, you're keeping well yourself. Uh, indeed, yes, we've got an episode where we've got uh, both leagues involved for the first time in a while. And uh, yeah, from my point of view, it was very exciting to have uh, Lita Serian back, even if it was only uh, four matches to start with. Yeah, now, first of all, I uh, just want to say well done for the season preview. Uh, we've had a fantastic response, both on our YouTube channel and on the podcast. So uh, yeah, really uh, impressive work there, Steve. We've also had, we've had the Osvenskan episode as well, for those who haven't listened to it. And if you haven't listened to the uh, to the um, Alita Serian episode, it was our, our most recent pod. We can go back and grab that because it was a, a beast of an episode. And yeah, like I say, we've had a we've had a great response. And now uh, we're into week one, aren't we, Steve? Yes, thank you very much for the response, uh, both um, on uh, comments on Twitter, YouTube, and uh, we've had a lot of views and downloads of the episode. So yeah, I'm glad you all enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, always feel free to get in touch with us, ask any questions, tweet to us at Nordic Footpod. Or myself at Meatman Soccer, or uh, yourself uh, on Twitter as well, Jonathan. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at JF Football FUTBOL, and we'll uh, I'm sure we'll review that in a minute. But uh, the first place to start really on this week is the Elitarian. We're back. It's week one. First week is in the books. It was a reduced uh, slate, wasn't it? There wasn't as many games as there normally is. It wasn't a full round. Um, but uh, just tell us how many games there were this week, Steve, and uh, read out the results for us, could you? Yeah, we just started with four matches because you know, certain teams weren't able to come back into training uh, as early as others due to the COVID situation rules in Norway. But we did get four games. There was there was going to be five, but Odd against Sandefjord got postponed because one player tested positive uh, for Odd, uh, which meant that that game had to be called off. Probably their match will be off against Starbeck uh, for round two as well. But uh, yeah, Budagun 3, Trumsen 0. We had uh, Molde beat Christiansen 2 0. Viking with an opening day victory, 3-1 against Bran. And then a draw uh, in the late game on Sunday, Volleringa 1, a Duesenborg 1, to, uh, to round things off for the first round. And all of those teams that played on the Sunday, they're going to be in action in round two, which is, again, only four matches. Yeah, now you um, you were covering it on uh, on Twitter, at Nordic Football of the Weekend, we just gone. I was actually out and about this week and I was, I was tuning in and sort of scrolling through Twitter to see your reviews and, you, you know, your live updates, which was great. So if you do want that service, then do follow us on Twitter. Um, Steve, where do you want to start with this? Because obviously only four games, but uh, there was quite a few things we learned, wasn't there? And some, some very interesting matches. Yeah, I mean, I, I had my eye on the good thing about not having as many games is I can have my eye on all three of them because we had three on at once and then the later game. So I was able to follow the progress of all the games quite well quite used to doing that sort of thing over the years. I can focus on, on more than one game regularly. Um, but yeah, Buda Glimp 3, Tromsen 0, uh, I think is a good place to start. It was um, it was an interesting game. The scoreline, you might look at the scoreline and think, you know, it was pretty straightforward again. But there was a lot more to this game than, than met the eye, I think, in the, in the first place. And um, I think Tromsen were... There's a, a scoreline that was a bit harsh on Tromsen, actually. 
they they were a lot better than I think most people expected in this game. Yeah, and you know I've um, been watching the highlights back, and the, the thing that struck me first was uh, it was great to see fans back in the stadium for this this big derby. We of course we talked about it in the season preview. We, we previewed both sides, and you know you gave your predictions as to where both sides will finish. You've predicted Budapest to be top of the table, in first place. What was the atmosphere like? Because obviously this is the first game where they've had fans in any kind of significant number since they won the title for the first time in their history. So being a derby as well, what was the atmosphere like? And, you know, how did that impact things? And were Glimp looking as good as they, they were last season? I didn't notice much difference, to be honest. Honestly, the Buddha Glimp fans last year, like they were so loud anyway, that 200 felt like 2000. So, you know, the up, uh, increase to 600, I, um, I didn't actually notice a huge difference. I think I noticed more of a difference in Mulder and Viking, to be honest, that, that definitely felt a lot different compared to last year. But, uh, you know, there's a sort of passion up there in, in, in Buddha that, um, you know, they, they, they really do get behind their team so well. And um, it wasn't long before we heard the goal music, the Buddha Glimp goal music, which can really, you know, it was in my head all of last year. They scored so many goals. Uh, it didn't take long for them to um, to get a couple of early goals on the board, but it, it wasn't quite to, to, to playing as easy sailing as you would imagine. It to be like Tromso, for example, they could have took the lead within two minutes in this game. There was a massive chance for Moses B, uh, very, very early doors. And at that stage, I was like, wow, I, if they'd scored that, it's maybe a different ball game. And there were certain aspects of the game which, which certainly, I say, surprised me with Tromso. But yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's three points for Buda Glimp. They were quite good as well. Um, but there's positives for both teams to take out of this one. Yeah, and just looking at this, the data, and of course, as a, uh, as ever, we are partnered with Scout, and we're delighted to also have renewed our partnership with Scout. so shout out to uh, Scout, follow them on Twitter at Scout, um, data providers, and according to the data from this match, as you mentioned, it was it was closer than probably it would suggest, uh, expected goals for Buda Glimp 1.4, expected goals for Trumps are 1.12, so to be honest, that 3-0 scoreline, you could argue, perhaps a little bit flattering uh the key history seems to be just from the statistics point of view was Tromsa's lack of shots on target i mean they had 13 shots nearly double the amount of shots of buddha glimp who had seven but uh, just two on target for Tromsa out of out of 13 15 whereas glimp had 85 percent uh, shots on target six of their shots from seven were uh, on target and three of them were goals uh, was that the difference here and um i mean in terms of the formations it looks like it was a 5-3-2 against the 4-3-3 yeah, and you know what? There's not many teams that go three at the back in, in Norway. Uh, it's completely opposite to Sweden. We had a great tactical analysis video podcast on, on, on that 3-4-3 system in particular recently. And you know what? I actually think it worked really well against Budaglimt. I do remember last year, the only other side last year that used it against them was Sarpsborg. And they did beat them twice, but they laboured through a victory against them in both games, really, especially the home one. Um kind of became five at the back and it kind of reminded me this game about maybe maybe sort of three at the back or five at the back is the way forward for teams against Buda Glimt a bit but Tromso they were they were really pressing the Buda Glimt defence you know they were not allowing them an easy easy pass out from the back and it forced a few mistakes and I think if Tromso had some better quality finishes in their team it could have been a different a different story they weren't helped by Rune Espiord getting injured 32nd minute 
and he's probably out for at least two or three games. That's not a surprise, though. We, we knew he would get injured. Moses Ebi is an interesting player. Um, I don't. The problem is he's not a natural striker. Not He never was when I used to watch him at Lillestrom. Um, he had a, a spell at Ham Cam um, in the Obos, and um, it seems like he's more, more a little bit more adept to be a striker now, but I always consider him, considered him a winger. And you could see why, if it, just the chances that fell his way, he, didn't, he lacks the composure, the finishing touch. Um, and I think anyone, they got Eric Kitalano kind of was getting chances in that sort of attacking midfielder role as well. Again, he just couldn't finish properly. Um, they had a youngster, August Mickelson, came on, similar spot. Again, just couldn't, they didn't have the finishing. But if, if I love the system for Tromso, I've got to give credit to their manager, Golter Hellstrup. He, um, he got the he got the sort of midfielders and attackers really really pressing that Buda Glimp defence did force mistakes Buda Glimp of course they got themselves out of trouble quite a lot with some good passing themselves and they they Buda Glimp were very very clinical going forward that was a big difference but I think tactically Tromsø I was impressed how they matched up they keep that up against the big teams they can certainly give a good account of themselves and um, it was encouraging yeah it sounds like it was very encouraging and uh, we do normally ask on Twitter. For you to send our questions, send your questions in. Normally, we ask it the the, episode, the evening of the episode we record or during the daytime, and uh, we did. We've had quite a lot of um, questions this week, so I've got to say, you know, a big shout out to our, our following on social media. We, we really seem to be growing at the moment. We've had a lot of subscribers on YouTube. Um, Steve, you just mentioned there the the, uh, the tactical episode we had as well about the three four three, which you can go back and and watch on YouTube and, and feedback what your thoughts were on that because that had a good response. Um, We've got one question here, which we'll, I'll ask you before we move on. Maybe one or two more. We've got one question I'll ask you immediately now from uh, FPL tactician Andy Martin uh, on Twitter. And he's uh, it's about Tromso. He says, despite the result, did Tromso show enough at the weekend that they shouldn't be worried this season? It's a good question. Um, definitely. The, the thing is, right, you can look good against big teams, can't you? And when there's no pressure on you and... the. the Tromso's season is going to be defined on their own mini league down the bottom. How are they going to get on against someone like Mjerndal and Sanderfjord, Strom's God set, teams like that, you know? So, that, but I, what I did see from them there is that they can probably mix it with any team on the day. And perhaps on a good day, if they take their chances, they can they can surprise a few sides. I, I, I think it looks like a completely different Tromso that went down before. They look well organised, they're up for it. And... Um, I, I, yeah, I did say enough that they probably shouldn't be worried. But ultimately, it's like how you do against the teams around you in the, in your own sort of mini league. Right. Thanks very much, Andy, for that question. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's about it for this game in in general, really. Uh, so yeah, big big derby win for Buda Glimt, and they 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 get a good uh, start to the season. So let's move on, and we're going to move over to one of the potential challenges this season, who you you've put quite high up the table. Mm-hmm. And that is Mulder. And um, it looks like Christensen were sort of a, just couldn't quite get enough of the job done to, to, to have a real impact in this game. I was disappointed in Christensen. And I was thinking after the game, uh, maybe I was being a bit harsh on them. But because at the end of the day, they're facing Mulder, who are one of the top sides in Norway. They reached the last, um, you know, 16 of the Europa League, for goodness sake. So... You know, we can't expect, and they've just lost Armel Pellegrino, who's, you know, 25 goal man, but they were toothless. They just didn't seem at the races at all, Christiansen. They uh, usually do quite well in this type of game, but they were awful. Mulder won 2 0, but they, they should have scored five or six, maybe more. 
I think if you were backing over 2.5 goals in this game, you would be very angry, Jonathan, um, because it was 2-0 after that half an hour and God knows how many chances went to waste. Um, but yeah, Molder were impressive. They they dominated they, in every aspect of the game, just total control. They even missed an early penalty, got away with that. Uh, OE, he had a bad game, OE did. He missed a penalty, then he missed an open goal later on. Got replaced by Fafana for the last 25 minutes. Um, but yeah, it looked like business as usual for Molder. They really looked really up for it and, and sharp and, and disappointing for Christiansen, really. I think the expected goals, I'm not sure it was here, but I'd imagine it was pretty damn high for Molder considering the, the chances. It was a barrage of chances. It really was. Yeah, just looking at it now, expected goals for Molder 3.12 against their two scored. Uh, they had 16 shots in this game, eight of them on target versus Christiansen, 0.83 expected goals, zero goals scored, of course. Um, and they had nine shots, five on target. So, uh, yeah, it looks like both sides had a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. Was there any, you know, interesting tactical twerks in terms of the team selections and things like that? Were there any big surprises in the lineups that, that caught your eye? Yeah, Holmgren Pedersen, the right-back, I think a lot of people were considering getting him in the fantasy team. He, he was revealed to be on the bench. So they actually had Erling Knudsen at right-back, who's, I mean, Knudsen's a right-winger. Simple as that. So that was maybe an area that Christiansen could have attacked and, and as a weakness, but they just didn't have any enough of the ball to, to do that. So uh, apart from that, wasn't really any surprises. Wolf Eichmann was on the bench, as expected. Didn't even have to come on. It was so easy for Moldy. He didn't even have to come on. Um, but honestly, I, I can't think of a Christiansen player that I was impressed with, apart from the goalkeeper. Sean McDermott can hold his hands up high. To, he, he prevented a mauling. And in the end, they've done really well to come out of there only losing 2-0. And on the face of it, it might not be a bad loss, you know. Older are going to be right up there. But I, I, I was definitely worried what I saw from Christiansen there. I, I just, uh, they are due a bad year. Like they've overachieved so well the last three or four seasons. They just, they have, by law of averages, they have to have a down year. And maybe I was, sort, I was looking there on Sunday and I'm thinking this could be the year where it kind of unravels a bit. But it's only one match. They're away from home against one of the toughest opponents. So I don't want to be too harsh on them. Yeah, and in the lineup for uh, Christensen, according to Wisecout, was a player called B Bye. So uh, it was by B Bye for the B Bye for their hopes. Nick the Bye, yeah, yeah, it was B Bye for their for their hopes of winning this game. And um, we did have a question as well on this match. Well, a statement actually, because we did ask for anyone who uh, wants to tweet games they saw and their own perspectives on the players that stood out to them and that kind of thing. And it's something we may do, you know, more regularly uh, this season. And we had a comment from uh, one person on Twitter, which I'll read out now. And it was from uh, at Nor Football, Nor FTBL, who's a, a big account following uh, Norwegian football and a good friend of the pod. And he said, I watched the last 20 minutes of Molder KBK and was very impressed by David Fafana. Should Defo start next game despite their incredible depth? Perhaps even better this year uh, with a massive sort of a surprised head blown off emoji. Um, so, Steve, your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, they need to find a way to get him into the lineup. But he's an, he, if we compare him to the strikers that Mulder have used in the last couple of years, Lecky James and Oe or Mo Wampo, he's a different type of striker. I've noticed he he just has this tendency to drift wide. He likes to drift wide into, especially on the left hand side. I think he would be really good as uh, like a, an inside forward on the left wing, and. That's my problem with him. I think he um, he doesn't his his own personal sort of tendencies and role 
maybe he doesn't suit the Molder team in that way. Maybe he's got to learn a bit more to be more central. I don't see him as this sort of complete forward that Ohi and uh, Lecky James were for the club. Uh, however, he's an unbelievable talent. He's so skillful. He's dribbling. He's skill. He's sensational. I think he can finish as well. I mean, he's not necessarily shown it yet in, in his very early days, of course. But and he has um, sort of a few chances, including Europa League. Here, he's kind of uh, not been as clinical as, as we want. But uh, yeah, he's a fantastic talent. I'd like to see him. I say on that left wing. Actually, I think he could be a really good left wing as an inside forward. But uh, he's only, it looks like he's only really going to come on as a striker. He's still going to wreak a lot of havoc, don't get me wrong. Uh, they need to find a way to get him more minutes, though, because he's an incredible weapon. I think defenders are going to be scared shitless of him, to be honest, Jonathan. Bringing him down, I think he's going to win loads of penalties, free kicks, things like that. He's got electric pace. Yeah, he's, he's a weapon they need to get more minutes out of. Yeah, and we did mention him in our, in our uh, pre-season episode as well. I think he's a player you've got on your radar to watch this season and... Uh... You know, in general, for your fantasy team as well, which we will talk about in the next few minutes, uh, fantasy. But uh, yeah, it looks like a player that some might consider their team. So uh, let's move over now. That's two games covered. Let's move to the third match. You were not too happy with the performance of Brand this week, were you, Steve? It wasn't shocking from Brand, but I've, I've seen a lot of Brand supporters uh, be negative on Twitter in the last few days, and they're not happy with how things have gone. And I get that. The thing is, they're an ambitious club. Their fans want to be fighting for medals and titles, ultimately. They're a big club. And the harsh reality is they're nowhere near that level right now. That's the problem with Brown. I said them in the season preview they're going to be about mid-table, and I think that's where they'll end up. Viking are the better side right now. It's as simple as that. They've got the better players. They've got, you know, for a start, they've got better players. They seem to have a better coaching methods at the moment. Um I think Carter Inger Brixen, honestly, I'm not sure it's actually going to work out for him. But Baran, he, he's he was a bit he was outdated in this game. If we look at what happened with Bran, um, and they, they they did well to be getting in level at one all. They were outplayed. Dauda Bamba scored a header. Um, fair play to him after last year, a lot of criticism. But they were they were outplayed, and um, they ended up two one three one down with about 20, 25 minutes left. And do you know what? He's made one substitute. One substitute and you're trailing 3-1. I just think, and I've got this criticism actually of Volerenga and Rosenborg managers a bit later. Try something different. If it isn't working, you don't have to stick to your 4-3-3 system. You know, why not bring on another striker and and go 4-4-2 or something? It's like he made one sub and it was in the 82nd minute and he took off youngster David Muller-Wolf, who I think was playing on one of the wings, and he brought on Matthias Rasmussen. There were certain players who were not playing well enough on that field. You can make five substitutes, Jonathan, and he made one, and he's losing 3-1. I just I didn't get it at all. And, you know, it's like kind of stuck just sticking with the same system the same ways. I was disappointed how he handled it, really. Uh, he, he really should know better than that. I mean, that was I can see why brand fans were negative, but I, this is what I expected from the game. I didn't think they would get anything out of it, really. And um, it's the harsh reality where we are with Brown at the moment. They're just they're just not at the level that the fans want them to be at. Yeah. Now the, the transfer window closes, I think, quite soon, doesn't it? In Norway, Steve it might be even imminent. I'm not, not entirely sure. You'll know more about that than myself. But uh, there's even been disappointment for Brown off off the field because I've read that they failed in their bid to sign Lars Crow Gerson apparently in the last in the last sort of 24 hours or so. He's a player who was at Norshopping last season and. Uh, 
you know, I think he could maybe have been quite an interesting signing for Brand. Is there any, any you know, is there any major holes in, the, in this team that you've seen or any major weaknesses they need to plug before this window closes? Or what can they do off the field maybe to help this situation? Yeah, just get a piece of Swiss cheese and slice it and look at it. And that is what Brand are. There's holes everywhere. Um, I'm afraid, really, for the, to get to the level they want to be at. And I'm particularly concerned about the defence, you know. I was worried about it last year, but I look at it now, it's ageing. You've got guys like Vegar Foran, doesn't, he looks a shadow of what he once was. You've got Christensen, who, for me, he's finished. He's just, he was bad last year and he just, he's, he's too slow. He's, he's out of position now as well. The youngster, Cole Skogan, I don't know why he's on the bench. He looked their best prospect last year. Um, I, I think in midfield, they need more of an enforcer. You know, they, they, they lack sort of bite in that midfield. And yeah, Bamba, they actually, in Bamba, they've got a striker who can deliver. You know, if he lives up to his XG this year, he can deliver. But they need a little bit more quality service to him. It's better strand, he's good. But that really is not enough else. They've got, they could really do with filling quite a few positions. But I think the defence for me, they've got a, I think they need a bit more younger blood in there with potential. Um, that's must be a big area for me. Great stuff. Yeah, and it's uh, you know disappointing. I mean, how, how did Viking look? Are you excited about what you see from them? Yeah, I, I, I think fair play to Viking here. They were probably better than I expected. Um, they got this new dual management team, which, I mean, we I was a little bit sceptical, wasn't I? You know, can you move on from the Bjarne Burtson era? But they've appointed that management duo in-house, and I think they, the players knew these guys, um, and it's all very a smooth transition. There's a lot of really good leaders in this Viking team. They really want it a lot. You know, they're led by like Veton Berisha, for example. He's so focused and motivated. He drives the team forward. And, um, you know, I said before, where would I place them? I put them in fifth place as a prediction because just the sheer quality they've got on paper. And I think you could put pretty much most managers in there um, as long as they know kind of what they're doing and you'd get a good outcome with these with these group of players because they're really well self-managed, self-disciplined, you just kind of feel if he had a bad half, you know, I can't imagine the ma the two managers having to go at them in the dressing room. I could imagine the, their own players having to go at each other to get themselves back, you know, playing better. That's a really good atmosphere for me. And that's what I like about Beacon. They're looking good, uh, good harmony right now. And do you know what? I said them fifth, you know, if things go really well, maybe they could even push the top four if one of the top four doesn't have a good year. Fantastic stuff, and let's move on to the fourth and final game. And it was quite a big game, wasn't it? I mean, between two of the teams you've tipped uh, to be in the top four this season, uh, Wallerenga against Rosenborg. Steve, tell us the score and tell us the uh, the key sort of highlights of this game. One all draw, and the goals came fairly in quick succession. Actually, um, it was an own goal that kept following the lead from a corner. Christopher Zakaris in the level thing just, just before half time. And it was a, a sort of a tight tactical battle, really, second half. Both defences had good games. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed with following. I didn't take the ball by the horns a bit. I think we saw reasons why both teams probably might not win the gold medal this year. Too many draws, a bit of a reluctance to, to really gamble. Um, maybe a lack of you know, real movement sometimes in, in, in their attacking situations, you know, sort of interchanges like that. And, yeah, I think we had quite a few comments about this game on uh, with, with some of the questions and, or comments. Um, appreciate those guys. And, um, you know, we can really talk about this game and what was the good and bad out of it. 
Yes, it's certainly a game between sort of two very well supported clubs, wasn't it? And uh, you know, from from a from a sort of statistical point of view, I mean, you know, just looking at uh, some of the stats and uh, looks like it was well, Wenger edged it in terms of xG. They had three point zero one xG to Rosenborg's one point two four. Both sides played in a four three three formation. Am I right in saying that, Stephen? Yeah. Rosenborg only two shots on target. Wenger only three shots on target uh, from fourteen. So both sides sort of misfiring really up front, weren't they? I think the the high XG from Rollerenga probably was distorted by one massive chance early on where Andre Hansen made two saves. There was Jartensen missed near enough an open goal. There was, I think it was around about the 10th or 15th minute and I had no idea how they didn't score there. It was a huge situation. Take that out. I think it was quite a tight game, really. There weren't many what you call massive clear-cut chances. Um, you know, it was... I think I'll give credit to Rosenborg in the second half for defending well. They 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 have a really strong midfield which sort of covers the defence strongly, and that back line does hold. There's experience in that back line, and it, it kind of held itself together well. I think of all the four teams that are sort of wanting to win the gold medal, potentially could challenge. I think Rosenborg are more the better suited to what I call the dark arts of football or the shithousery of football, if you want to call it that. They are willing to sort of dig in ugly sometimes to get what they want out of a game. And I think it would suit them, and it would probably suit Volleringa as well, if the title race was close, where teams are taking points off each other a lot. Um, you know, and, and I think those teams would, would benefit that. Whether or not they can actually keep up a pace with if Buda and Mulder keep smashing all the crap teams out of the water and hardly drop points, then these two are not going to be able to keep up. I, I'll be honest, they're going to draw too many matches. But if the title race becomes close, well, maybe Rosenborg have got a part to play because, like I say, they do have that sort of now and know-how. You know, they're, they're quite happy just to, to get a result, forget how they aim play. And I, I, I think that's a quality that has to be respected sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And um, we've got a few comments from, from uh, followers on Twitter, as, as we mentioned. Just going to read one of them out now from uh, Ramon Villageliu Arnella, I believe. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. Uh, he has said maybe we underrated Rosenborg, and they could battle for the gold medal despite only playing one match. If Islamovic scores these twenty expected goals, Zakariasen continues with surprising second line arrivals, and the defenders keep their level, I think that they could. Your thoughts, Steve? Mm, it's interesting. Uh, Zakariasen is there for me. Their top player. He's become their most important player. Great signing last season. And he just, he makes these runs from midfield and no one can pick him up. He did this at Sarpswell back in the day as well. He's really good in the air. He just has a knack of being in the right place at the right time. Um, so he's a big, big player. If is Now, this is an interesting part of this comment. If, if Zlambovic scores the 20 expected goals, I mean, who's expecting to score 20 goals? I'm certainly not. I don't think he's good enough to score 20 goals. Um, if he was to, then it's a different ball game. I just don't see, I just don't think he's a good enough striker. I'll be honest, I think his type of striker, they need someone a bit more... He's a good target man, and he'll have some very good games where he's just unplayable, but and is he clinical enough um, you know, to get them the huge amounts of gold they need from that position? I look at some of the other strikers in this league, and um, I think their movement's better than Islamovic. Um, so that's my concern. The defence, though, yeah, the defence is, is strong, and they're a sort of club that can always reinforce during the summer. I like the discipline, um, but they need they need to stop drawing games. That's their big thing. Are they going to be able to like? Who would you rather? Is a great question. 
for example, if you say away from home against someone like Horgerson and the, and the four big teams that are there, who you are, who are you really backing to win that game? Well, Mulder and Buda Glimp could blow Horgerson out of the water with their sort of fast-paced goals, constant scattergun shots and things. Where someone like Volarengo Rosenborg might just sort of labour to a draw without a cutting edge. And that's my problem with Rosenborg. You know, unless they're nicking them games 1-0, they're probably going to draw too many. Uh, they just, for me, they lack goals, unless Islamovic just come big. Yeah, great stuff. And to wrap up this uh, this section of Norway, we're going to look at fancy now. Uh, Steve, you sat out of the league and you've done some very good work uh, in that sense, setting the league up. And um, we've had a, a pretty good response. Do you want to give it an overview? But before you do, a um, couple of questions from, from listeners. And I want to give a shout out to Neil Baxter. He says, after this week's games, which assets for both leagues are firmly on your radar? So that's one I want to address for Norway first. Um, and also we had another question from Josh Hemmings. And he says, which RBK assets are the most viable for the double? Is a, is a triple up worth it? So, yeah, let's just wrap up fantasy. You know, tell us the state of play of the uh, Elite Serie League. You know, tell us what's going on with that. Yeah, I think the highest score across the board of anyone in Elite Serie in fantasy this week was 94 points. Um, it seemed you needed to have uh, Eric Bottam in your team, Ulland Anderson and Orsnes. The Nordic Football Podcast League, I think the highest score is 85. It was someone called Guta Ramon uh, Biglio, which was uh, was a, a very well very well done there. That's the guy. That's the guy who would just answer the question about about Rosenborg. So well yeah. done, Ramon. <laughs> yeah, I thought that seemed familiar. Um, yeah, well done on on leading the league early doors. Um, uh, Rosenborg assets is interesting. I still think. Uh, Emil Conrad and Saida could be someone that can make a difference for them. He's the one player who could probably tear up some of the crap defences because he's got that thing about him. But I'm not sure the manager fully trusts him to certainly do enough 90 minutes. So that would worry me. I, I wonder if Marcus Henriksen might do a job for you. He's a 6.5 million rated um, defender, but he plays midfield. He, I noticed he put a couple of shots in, actually. He, he is known for a long-range strike. Um and, you know, if he, if he, if he doesn't play in defence and he's more midfield, then he could be someone that goes above his value. But apart from that, you probably need to be looking at getting Zacharias in your team if you can somehow fit him in. And, you know, it's not easy with these the money in the in the elite area in fantasy. But Zacharias looks like he may well pick up uh, this season where he left off. You know, last year he scored a lot of points in uh, 2020, 146 points, 12 goals, four assists. And they had nine clean sheets as well. So I think you probably need to be looking to get Zacharias in. I would personally not be looking at Islamovic. But that's just my personal preference. Yeah, and thanks a lot to Neil Baxter as well uh, for, for that question. I don't know if you, you feel like you've touched on that enough. Do you want to add one final comment? Neil, of course. Thank you very much indeed for your question, Neil Baxter. I hope you're doing well, by the way, Neil. Um, always good to, to interact with you. Um, which assets are firmly on my radar? Let me think. Which players are on my footballing radar here for the sorry, Elita Syrian fantasy and I'm actually looking at Tromso uh, weirdly because I think Moses Abi is a 5.5 million striker and he could actually he, he's going to be starting games now that SPO's injured, um, I think he would have been starting anyway, he had opportunities against Buda Glimt, can he take them that's the big question but I think he could do an awful lot worse than a 5.5 million rated uh, striker and Daniel Burnson interests me as well at 6 million he is only owned by 0.4% of people and 
he's on some set pieces and I, I just felt he made a little bit of a nuisance of himself I could see him chipping in with a few assists maybe um, at some point there um, Kitalano's a little bit more expensive at 7.5 million if he gets into more adv advanced sort of positions more goal scoring positions then maybe you could look at him but initially I was thinking before Tromso's first three games are brutal I was thinking there's not really much point getting any Tromso players in, in the side but now I'm just starting to think that you know first they've got Mulder home on Thursday then they're away against Viking. I think their offensive assets could do okay in those games. I think defensively they'll do well to, to, to stop conceding goals. After that, they actually have Sanderfjord at home, which is a very winnable fixture, and then Strom's Godset away, um, which is another very manageable game. And actually, after that, they've got Sarsborg at home. And if we're looking even further, Starbeck away, it's not a bad run. If you can get through the first week, I think Tromso players are maybe worth looking at. I was initially sort of not thinking about them but yeah I think on those sort and uh, yeah well worth keeping an eye on there's a I think Volarenga there's a few questions about them I just want to start off with David uh, Weatherson actually uh, who made some interesting comments about the Klimt uh, game as well he said he thought Aaron Donham looked sharp he was impressed with Sarri as well and I think that is a very good point um, about the, the Volarenga assets there Sarri is obviously a, a top talent, but his, his price in this game is only 8 million. Now, a lot depends whereabouts he's going to play, um, left wing or sort of centre mid driving forward. I feel like there's a big, some really big games in him this year. I, I totally agree with David there. I, um, I think it's going to be, he could be one of 8 million as sort of one of the more cheaper midfielders. Like Uni, I'll be honest, I, I wasn't impressed with him first game. I don't think he makes the enough runs in the penalty area, when when the ball's on the right hand side, he's not in position to score enough. He's better when he's on the ball himself, and that that's a slight problem for me for Leighton. It might take him a little bit of time to get used to the system. Aaron Donham, uh, you can't go too far wrong with him. He'll score some individual goals, but he needs a little bit more help in that elite uh, in that Volaringa offense, really. Um, but uh, yeah, appreciate all the questions, and just want to go back to David. Um, uh, well worth checking out his blog. Uh, David uh, WeathersonFootball.com uh, really uh, some good um, match previews there, some betting stuff. But I uh, always appreciate that, and uh, thanks very much for, for your support, David. As always, I know you've often come in with some questions and everything. Yeah, and you know, Steve, as we're actually speaking, I'm uh, scrambling away trying to get my fancy team because I missed the deadline. So it's, it's a nightmare start for me in in this uh, in this league. You know, I know I was basement. I was one of the you know. Bottom feeders of the league last season, though, you know, it's near the bottom of the table. And uh, if anything, if this worth first week's anything to go by, it's going to be another season near the, you know, being the sort of a, uh, I'm not sure for United of this league because, uh, yeah, I missed the deadline and I haven't done my team. And it's a terrible start for, uh, for JF football. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot, everybody who got their questions in. It looks like fantasy is going to be very popular uh, among our listeners this season, that's for sure, with so many questions. Uh, I think I'm going to finish this half of the show i think there was one more comment uh steve we're not going to we're not going to touch on every single question this week because we've had so many uh, and some of them are deep questions that we might come back to in in, in future weeks but uh yeah you, you mentioned the question from david there which was great and there was also a comment on uh Wolverine, i think wasn't there and about how yeah uh North football asked one more question you can keep it brief if you like is vif's attacking trio like uni kiatis and donham the best in the elite sorry he has the potential to become the best. 
but I think La Uni needs to, um, I say, get used to the system a bit more. And I'd be honest, I would prefer probably the issue is the wide players, La Uni and Donham, and maybe not the greatest finishers, like of easy chances. It's a weird thing to say. Aaron Donham, you'd fancy him to bang in a few real beauties this year or some goals of individual quality. Is he going to be there for the tapping at the back post, though? Is he going to be there for the easy finish? I'm not sure. Uh, and Layuni is perhaps even worse, uh, worse at doing that, you know? That's my concern. Um, you know, if you're not careful, Jartensen is going to be the only one sort of poaching for goals. And then if teams sort of double up on him, treble up on him, you might be able to snuff them out. They need to work on their movement a bit. The potential's there, but they need to work on it. That's enough for part one then that is the first round or first four games anyway of elite Serien. uh recap nicely um so yeah if you haven't joined the the fantasy league yet the the uh, website is fantasy.elitesarian.no uh something that i've bookmarked and um the uh the code to join our league is ev70i0 so get your team in for round two and in round three there was one other game steve wasn't there just very briefly it was postponed wasn't it um just give us a one line on that yeah, there was one positive test in the odd camp this week. Uh, so odd Sanford got called off. There's a quarantine measures as well. I think there's some more tests ongoing this week. Um, we'll know more. Probably a high chance that Starbeck against Odd will also be put back for round two, but we're not sure yet. Uh, obviously, a real frustration. Odd reflected back end of last year with this as well. Um, but we wish everyone well there at the club, and uh, hopefully, uh, we well, hopefully with the last of, of any COVID outbreaks. But sadly, I fear there'll be quite a few. Yep, and that will wrap it up. I mean, the games we've got this week coming, by the way, are Christensen, Buda Glimt, Bran, Wallerenga, Tromsø, Mulder, and Rosenborg Viking. So some some fairly big games there uh, for across the week. So stay tuned and we'll, we'll review those as well, um, you know, in the bonus pods and other pods to come. That wraps it up for part one in Norway. In part two, we will be looking at Sweden. We've had a week off from Sweden, so we'll, we'll recap all the latest and uh, we'll answer some of your listener questions as well related to offense game. It's been a pretty juicy round this week so uh tune us join us in part two and we'll be back after this short break welcome back to the nordic football podcast i'm steve wiss and i'm joined by Jonathan for Dugba, and uh, this is going to be the Swedish section of the Alsvenskan. We are now five rounds into the season, and the latest results uh, are as followed. Uh, Udebro 1, Halmstad 0, IFK Gothenburg 1, Hecken 1, Hammerby 3, Sirius 2, Elsborg 2, Kalmar 2, Mjalby 1, Oshersund 0, Malmo 3, Valberg 2, Dega 4, 2, Jurgarten 0, and Norshipping 2, AIK nil. So, yeah, five rounds in now, Jonathan. Uh, how is that table looking in Sweden? Yes, thank you, Steve. The season is starting to take a bit of shape here in uh, in Sweden. You know, five five out of 30 games completed. So any of you who are good at maths will be able to figure that one out percentage-wise. Uh, we're averaging 2.3 goals per match in, in Osvenska at this moment in time, which is which is a decent, decent number. And we currently have a top five. I'll, I'll read from fifth to top. Uh, top five of AIK in fifth, nine points. Kalmar in fourth, nine points with plus <clears throat> plus two goal difference. Uh, one more goal difference than AIK. Third place, bronze medal at the moment, 10th, 
10 points is Malmo. Uh, joint with Noor Shopping, who are in second place. But a much better goal difference, plus five versus Malmo's plus one, 10 points. But top of the table at this moment in time, despite this shock defeat, uh, which we will talk about later, war is, is your garden uh, with 12 points. So uh, it was the first defeat of the season. They'd won every other game apart from that. So, yeah, it really was a big shock. Um, but that's the top five. And in the bottom um, at the moment, we've got Weyerberg in the relegation playoff with just four points from five games. Uh, Ten goals conceded, the most in Osvenskan so far, by the way. Uh, we've got Orebro, 15th in the relegation place, minus eight goal difference, four points. And rock bottom, Steve. Can you believe this? Five games played, zero wins, two draws, three defeats. Beck or Hecken with two points. I know. I mean, they are unbeaten in the last two. That's the positive. Uh, I'll tell you what, Urubro have done well to get four points by only scoring one goal, haven't they? I'll give them that. I'll give them credit there. Um, but, yeah, it's. Um, I, I really feel like Jurgen should be 100% and we're going to talk about them soon. But there was a really big game on Monday night, uh, North Shipping against ARK, the winner. Whoever won that game was going to finish, was going to end up in second place. Uh, ARK, if they'd actually got the three points... They would um, would certainly gone level with your gun. So um, it was a big game, two 0 win for North Shipping. I had my eye on this one as well, but it was a pulsating fixture, wasn't it, Jonathan? Yes, this was a good game of football. This was the sort of game of football that I I enjoy. Had a bit of uh, had a bit of beef behind it. Rickard Norling uh, against his former club. You know, it had the sort of um, wrestling, you know, WWE wrestling sort of storylines behind the scenes and that kind of thing. There was criticisms. You know, there was bad blood before the game, um, little comments here and there. Uh, Norling, you know, taking little pot shots uh, at one or two um, <clears throat> and uh, little things like that. So, yeah, it was really, and on the field, it was a really enjoyable match, I thought. Um, okay, went into it. Both teams tried to play football. You know, we, we, we had the, pre, we had the um, you know, three at the back, uh, Osvenskan YouTube video and, and podcast episode where we went into real detail. We didn't talk too much about North Shopping, but we did touch on them. And they're three four three. That's starting to take shape now in the Norling, and I think they look quite an exciting team. And they approached it in an exciting way. I think the key here, Steve, I haven't really looked at the stats yet, but I think the key in this match was uh, obviously North Shopping won two nil. Um, two second half goals from Samuel Adi Benro. I think really the key in this match, Steve, was one team took their chances and one team didn't. Uh, it was open. Both sides did have chances and create did create things. But with AIK, they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, Stefanelli hit the post. Uh, they had some other good good chances. Janssen made some great saves. Um, whereas North Shopping were just a bit more efficient in front of goal, a bit more, uh, but, you know, they got the job done. They were a bit more clinical. Uh, with Alec Benro as well, who's been in really good form this season so far. You know, he's um, top scorer in the league now, I believe. So, yeah, it was, it was a tale of sort of two boxes, really. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was... The whole thing when Ricard Norling made it, made it a spicy game, I think. At the end of the match, he was sort of pumping his fists and, you know, it was really it was really rubbing it. He was really loving it, to be honest, reveling in it. And uh, I was quite surprised about that, considering he's got a really high standing in the AIK and it's not gone down well, too well with some of the fans, I think. I read a qu- quote on Twitter this evening that uh, I think it was an AIK fan or journalist sort of said it was unacceptable. <laughs> um, so, you know, a, like I said, it was one of those games with a little bit of an edge to it and uh, it led it lent for a good game. It reminded me a lot of your garden against Norshipping, actually. That one, uh, one nil to your garden. Um, it was very end to end. It was just a question of probably who scored the first goal, really. But I think Benner had got a brace. He's been scoring a lot of goals recently. Um, Nor football uh, asked in, in a question here 
Adig Banner, Adig Banner Battery's best form under Ricard Norling. And I want to expand on that, Jonathan. Why do you think his form has been so good? I mean, obviously, staying fit is a big thing for Samuel, but it can't just be that. Why is he thriving in this system? Well, I think bottom line is he's a very good player. Uh, it's as simple as that. Yes, yes. Um, he's been in my fantasy team since day one. I, I, you know, the fun thing about doing this podcast, I think, with you, Steve, is that you, you, we, we, we are caught sort of the cross pollination, isn't there? You cover your league, I cover my league, but we also sort of keep an eye on each other's leagues. And uh, I just remember Adik Benro when you talked about him in Norway, and you know, I was, I was, he was always a player that was on my radar, to be honest. Um, so to see him in Sweden, I was very, very happy when he when he joined North Shopping, to be honest, because I was like, yes, I'll get to watch him a bit more close quarters in, in Sweden. Didn't really think his career would go in this direction. I thought maybe he would move on uh, to maybe a bigger league, but um, I'm, I'm more than happy to have him here, <laughs> to be honest. And I think North Shopping fans would say the same. I mean, Jonathan Levi has come out uh, post-match and said that he is, um, well, he said that North Shopping have the five best strikers in Osvenskan. So uh, that is, uh, you know, some praise for his own teammates. Um, he said that Aksabanovic, Neiman, Karl Bjork, Adik Benro and himself, Levi are the top five strikers. So uh, that's some praise. But he said some very, very nice words about Adik Benro. And he said, I'm, I'm not surprised at all at how well he's doing. I've said it before, and this is not because I've not played with Messi and Ronaldo, but he's the best player I've ever played with. Um, before I came here as well, when we played together in Rosenborg, he was outstanding. And he now shows that too. Obviously, they both played for Rosenborg, as, he, as you'll know. Um, and he's doing really well now at, uh, at Norshop. He said once he is hungry, he scores points and goals. He really plays in the right position. He can play on the left and he's even better than as a nine on the right side. He has even more to give and I'm very glad he's here. And uh, he's touched on something really well there. You know, Anik Benro can play on either side. So in this 3-4-3 of Norlings, he can kind of play in almost any position. You know, he can play from the left, maybe cut inside. He can play from the right. He can play as an out and out target man. Um, so it's it's allowed a lot of flexibility in that team. Now um, his goals were very well taken. One, they were both crosses from the left hand side. First one was Schoolerson. He put in a ball from the from the left. He just come on as a substitute, in fact. So it was a really great impact from him. He whipped in a lovely uh, left footed cross, and Eric Benro pounced on it and put it away. And then the same thing with the second goal. It was Haksibanovic with a cross, right footed cross from the left, uh, and Eric Benro put a lovely header in off the post. So yeah, he's um. He looks sharp. He's he's back fit again. You know his teammates love him. He's hungry, and I think he um, he's just found the right place for him at this moment in time. I don't know how long he'll stay in the league because I, I do think he is one of the best strikers in the league. I think he will if he stays fit. I think he will stand out very quickly. Um, but the one thing we can definitely say is that he uh, he is already doing very very well. That's excellent to hear. And just uh, before we finish talking about North Shipping, we've got a question coming from Galley. At Indy J Galley, a semi-retired sea captain. Interesting little bio there. Um, simple question: Can Norship and win the Auschwitzkin? I think it might be a bit, bit early for them. Uh, I, I really like what I see from Norling. I think he's taken the team in the right direction. I think my preseason prediction: I had them kind of a little bit further down. I think I had them fifth. Um, I may may upgrade that at some point, maybe to fourth, thirdish. I think at this moment in time, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say champions. I think they have a little bit more work to do, just getting the blend right. Um, but one thing we know about Norling is he knows how to win titles. You know, he's done it before. So from that point of view, I think fans can probably be quite quite excited. I think I think there is uh, a real bit of a buzz coming about um, about Norshipping at this moment in time from fans. I think they 
probably didn't quite expect the season to start so well, you know, as it has uh, for them to be in second, uh, you know, with three three wins, one draw and defeat. And they've had some difficult games as well, by the way. So, um, you know, they've played AIK, they've played Yoga in the way, but they lost that game. So um, I think they'll have bigger, bigger tests to come. They've only, you know, they've played Sirius, Halmstad and Ulibra as well, who are, you know, probably th- three of the weaker teams, certainly Halmstad and Ulibra anyway. Um, so I think they'll have bigger challenges to come. This is their biggest result of the season so far. Um, but I do think they, they, they're in the right direction. I, I like the 3-4-3. You know, it, it's, it's, it looks quite well balanced. You know, I think they, I think Norling's implemented that fairly quickly, which, which, is, which bodes well. You know, you've got Jansen doing okay at the back. I mean, he made some great saves, to be honest, in this game. He was really, really good. Um, don't know exactly how many, but uh, certainly made a lot of saves to keep his team in the game. Uh, I remember one game, one save that he tipped over the bar when it could have easily been a goal. Uh, you've got Linus Valkvist, Marco Lund and Aguilis at the back, the back three. Aguilis is very versatile. I, I, I like him. Valkvist, I've always said he's one of the best defenders in Osvenskan. Um, obviously, he left and came back and he's now their captain. And I think he's, a, you know, He's a top-level player uh, for Osvenskan. Um, the, the midfield four in that three-four-three system is kind of um, Ra- Abdul Razak, who's still learning his trade. Bergman Hansen, we've talked about him before. He's, he's a quality player in the making. Franson and Levi, and then you've got added Benro, Karl Bjork, and Sead Haksabanovic uh, with the sort of forward three. And they've got a lot of options off the bench as well, Steve. They've got Skulason, as I said. They've still got Neiman to come back. They've got Tello. They've got a few others. So um, yeah. They're in good shape. I, I don't think they'll win the league, but if they can get to sort of 10 games in and they can keep this form up and be sort of in the top three, we could revisit it then, I think, and maybe see see where we go from there. Yeah, interesting stuff. And uh, I mean, just before we move on, I want to talk about AAK and my problem here with them, with a, they were very wasteful in front of goal. I, I don't know how they didn't score, to be honest. It felt like they'd certainly dom- they certainly were so dominant early on. It just looked like a matter of time before they'd score. And, and yeah, the goalkeeper had a good game for Norshaving. I do rate that keeper, actually. Um, he's impressed me quite a lot. But they have to be taking the chances for me. Stefanelli, it feels like he's due like a glutton of goals. He gets in. I don't know quite what the problem is. It's, does he, it's like he snatches at chances. Um, but he's let them down here. They probably should have won the game. They were so dominant early on. And they somehow lost it. Yeah, that is the story. I think uh, AIK, one of those teams that they they're not um, they're not they're, they're a work in progress, in my opinion. You know, I think they still lack a top goal scorer um, potentially. I, I'm not sure about Radulovic. You know, he's quite he's a new signing. I think he'll take some time to blend in. You know, I think he played at Brighton in the past, and I think he'll need some time. Henrik Goitem had a great career. You know, player massively respected in Sweden. So you know, would, I would never knock him, but I do think his his best days are probably. You know, arguably behind him. Uh, you know, he is in his thirties now, and 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 sort of um, he's he's captain. But you know, can he be relied on week in week out to get sort of 10, 15, 20 goals? I'm I'm not sure anymore. Um, I'd probably say no. Uh, you know, he's he's thirty six now, so you know, he's he, like I say, he's had a, he's had a great career. But you know, he was taken off early here. Stefanelli hit the post. Um, I still like Stefanelli, but he, he is a bit inconsistent at times in terms of just getting goals. Um. And I also think that they, ARK for me, have a lot of players who are prospects and, and maybe not finished article. You know, that, that's that's just my personal opinion. Um, Bahui, for example, I know he's I know he's getting older. I know he's thirty, but um, for me, he's a little bit inconsistent at times. I think Liatupa 
is another one who's you know a prospect. He's 21. Some games he's really good uh, as earlier in the season, but some games he, he sort of uh, drifts in and out of matches. Um, this being one of them, I think. I think he kind of drifted out of this game. He lost the pos- he lost possession 11 times in this game, uh, Steve, and, and and didn't really have any sh- had no shots, uh, two key passes, but you know didn't didn't really do too much in the game. Was taken off. Uh, so yeah, they have they have some just players that they you can't quite rely on. I think the team is coming together bit by bit. You know, I really like uh, some of the players in their back four. I think they they are improving defensively slightly. But all in all, uh, I just think AIK are a work in progress, and so um, you know I, I would put them to finish probably below AI, uh, North Shopping at this this moment in time. All the teams at the top there have been given a boost. Uh, your garden, the seemingly indestructible your garden. Uh, uh, really dropped a bollock this week, haven't they, by losing to Degafor of all teams, two goals to nil. I was looking at the stats of this game in running, and it just looked a matter of time before Jorgarten would surely win the game or score a goal. But they were hit hard late here, and one of the goals uh, scored by uh, Victor Edvarsson was sensational, wasn't it? Probably goal of the season, Steve. I mean, if you've not seen it, then try and grab it on Discovery or, or YouTube or wherever you can find it, because, uh, I mean, it was a David Beckham against against Wimbledon from the halfway line basically you know a ball given away in the midfield and he just pounced on it and booted it home from 50 yards I mean I've never seen a Russian goalkeeper look so embarrassed in all his life the, the keeper of Asiutin. Um he looked like he couldn't believe it when he sort of turned around and it had gone in uh yeah it was one hell of a strike from Edvards and it was a shame it wasn't in front of more fans because um it was you know gay it was a goal that deserved a full stadium really it was just unbelievable he ran off and there was a little tent with about sort of twenty Degaforce fans, and he ran off to celebrate with them. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a goal that could have graced any game. To be honest, it was an unbelievable strike, and uh, he also finished off his second goal uh, with a with a lovely counter attack move. Uh, great distribution from Diawara at the back. Who, by the way, Degaforce seemed to have a decent keeper there, uh, Diawara, and um, they went on the counter attack late in the game and, and and got the second advice, and it was a good finish, poked at home. So yeah. Um, Really big win that, and uh, a real turn up for the books. To be honest, we we talked about Degaforce in real detail um, on that three at the back podcast, and um, you know they lost. I think their next game, but now they've they've beaten probably probably the best team of the season so far. So very exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, my gut feeling is I think that was a bit of a freak result. Really, I think your guy is still really good, and I think Degaforce still gonna have problems. But fair play, and they got the the three points there, haven't they, Degaforce? And uh, it certainly makes things interesting at the top of the table. Let's talk about the uh, Gothenburg derby, I IFK against uh, Hecken. And um, I mean, how did that one go, Jonathan? It ended one all. Yeah, now this was a um, a decent game. It was a game of many chances. Um, I think Pontus Dahlberg, I think, uh, well, he's, he's paid his loan fee, that's for sure, certainly from Watford, because he, he uh, against his former club, is a, it's a tale of revenge this week, really, this this, um, this this weekend in terms of some of the bigger games, because um, obviously the former EF core man, Dahlberg, he, he made several saves to keep Hacken in this one. He's on loan from Watford at Hacken, uh, and um, he was he was excellent. They made a lot of big saves to keep, to keep them in it. Uh, then of course, um, you know, came back to sort of ha- haunt his team. As I say, the game ended one all. Uh, so uh, yeah, Hacken took the lead uh, early in the second half, and then it looked like they were probably going to hang on for, for a win. But a 96th minute penalty from Tobias Sana 
uh, rescued a point for EF Core and rescued their blushes against their their sort of uh, crosstown rivals. Probably on balance, maybe you could argue it was you know possibly a fair result. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a re it really spared the blushes. A good good pass from uh, Marek Hamzik. He obviously got this where he set up the penalty, uh, played in the ball into the box, and I think it was Stig Torsen that, that won the spot kick. Um, but it was a real under cool under pressure sort of through ball from Hamzik in midfield to sort of split the def the, the split the defence open and, and and basically help that lead to that penalty. Uh, so yeah, it was um, an open game. One will probably you know a, a result that Hacker won't be happy with, but at least it wasn't uh, you know they would have wanted to hang on. It was, it was a shame for them, especially with the fact that they're bottom of the table. But uh, yeah, it was a good game. They're the only team without a win, Hacker, and it just feels like not a lot is going for them right now i kind of sense they've been waiting for a soft fixture just to get their teeth into they've got it in midweek um hecking against Urubu. i mean if they don't win that and they've got me i'll be after that if they're not getting six points out of those two games you you really are starting to worry for the money yeah i mean i think if they if they can't beat Urubu, in it will be will be probably big criticisms for um their manager he's already been under a little bit of pressure mm -hmm. There was rumours that maybe there were calls for him to maybe leave. Um, I still think that's probably slightly premature, but uh, we, we shall see. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, I think they're a, bit, a little bit unlucky in the set in some ways because they've had some tough fixtures and, and you know, little things have not gone their way this season as well. And although they haven't been great, I still think bottom of the league just seems seems quite strange. Um, a big thing will be can they keep Darberg because he he could leave you know his um his loan ends soon. He's he's got a cup final of course they've got a cup final to play potentially but we don't know if he'll he'll play in that, um, you know and he's been really really good he's probably the best player in the derby, I would say, um you know with, he made several saves as, as I've mentioned they made an unbelievable save from Sigtorsen in the, in the nineteenth minute. Um, and I, I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in, in Osvenskan for, for, for sure. So, will Watford sort of let him stay? That that will be an important um, deciding factor. Uh, and just in general, they you know they've they, they, they've 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 been doing different things. How can they've been trying to um, you know they weren't happy with the penalty for for a start. Uh, they weren't happy with a few other decisions that didn't go their way in this game. So that they've had a lot to complain about. You know, this last week or so. And I think that's 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 the key, really. Um, Pontus Starberg described it as a fucking joke. That was, that's a direct quote, by the way. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, and there's just this air around them of you know Andreas. Um, um, you know, he described. You know, he thought it was harsh, and he said he was frustrated and angry. Um, there's just this air of kind of like things not going their way at this moment in time. So yeah, it will be interesting to see where we go with Hacken. We've got an interesting fixture dynamic coming up in the Alsvenskan. We've got a midweek round approaching, then they're back in action at the weekend, and then round number nine, sorry, round number eight is on the 20, 22nd to 24th. And then we've got a six-week break. The league goes out of action for six weeks, I'm guessing, for, for the Euros. And um, we don't actually get the final round till December this year in Sweden, which is quite late for the Alsvenskan. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly a few teams that need to be getting points on the board before this uh, this break, this round eight. But then, yeah, you know, having six weeks six weeks off, it's probably going to help some teams and hinder others, isn't it? Well, it will. I mean, you know, firstly, from me, of course, point of view, I think Hamzik Hamzik's contract is up quite soon. So, you know, there was all this fanfare. Will he even be around for, for much longer? He could 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 not. He might not even be around. He's he's done okay. 
Um, but I still think he's lacking complete match sharpness, to be honest. And uh, he's, he's gradually getting it. But yeah, I think he, you know, could well be out of the league by the time he gets fit. So you know, he, he did admit he was there to sort of get his fitness for the Euros. And yeah, that's that's something that's going to be a factor. Certain players will leave. Always happens in the Svensk game. You get you get a decent period, and then you get the summer window, and it can change a lot of the course of the trajectory of the season. To be honest. So, um, yeah, I think it will affect things, um, but, uh, you know, we'll, obviously we'll see how it goes. Will you prioritise watching some Elitisarian games over Europe's, Jonathan, in the six-week break? <laughs> Good question. Uh, yeah. If I can get my fancy team in, then yes. <laughs> um, I'm not massively bothered about the Euros, I'll be honest. I think uh, I'm not sure how good the spectacle will be. We'll see. Could be wrong, but, uh, you know, I get the sense that a lot of players will be very tired after a really, really draining sort of 18 months or so, uh, 12 months to 18 months. So what will the level of quality be like in the Euros? I'm not sure. I think it will be very, a very big ask to have a great tournament. And obviously there's not, I don't think there's a huge amount of fans is there. I'm not, not too sure. I haven't really studied it yet. But uh, yeah, why not? I'm up for a bit of Elite 7. That, that sounds good. That sounds very good uh, indeed, my friend. And um, you're know, talking about sort of Elite 7 as Venskine. A lot of questions that's come in from... Rafael Roldan, who is a coach at Ostersunds. Thank you very much for the question here. You should be you should be brave this week and decide which league is the most competitive and it would be nice to know what parameters you base the answer with. I think that was a little bit of a slight accusation that we were sitting on the fence with the previous question that was asked about what was the best league between Elsvenskin and Elita Serin. This is a more um, interesting sort of question um, about competitive side of things so uh in 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 short here jonathan which would you say is the more competitive league well we, we talked about this uh pre pre-match or pre pre-recording i'm gonna say your spence gang because i'm biased but uh i'm sure you're gonna say in no way uh my argument in terms of competitiveness you know i've been looking at the games this season and there's not many games i've been able to actually predict in the sense of the clear favorite even though i think the bookmakers there's a lot of games where neither neither team is the huge favorite you know, normally in a lot of leagues, you 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 can't really predict games. I mean, you only have to look at this Degafors Eurogarden game. Um, you know, you got to look at sort of Ostersons against Malmo. I'm sure you know that would be a good uh, example for the uh, person asking the question. Um, a bit working at Ostersons, you know, Malmo, you know, Ostersons came very close to sort of even getting a, a win there. Um, so, I think it's a very competitive league at the moment. Ostersons, to be honest, we've had different league winners, you know, for three, four years in a row now. Um, the era of sort of Malmo dominance is, is over. Uh, there's a co- loads of competitors, competitors. You've asked me about North Shopping maybe winning the league there. You know, you've got ARK have won the title in recent years. Garden have won the title in recent years. Um, you know, Malmo, obviously, are the big dogs. EF Core are always competitive. So, you know, you've got Kalmar up there at the moment. So I think it's a really, really competitive league at this moment in time. There's, there's not many games I go into and think this is a definite win for X, Y, and Z. Um, and the big games between the big teams as well are always very hard to predict. So, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, at this moment in time, I'm going to say that Svenskan is more predictable. When I look at Norway, I mean, I, I'll admit my knowledge of it is, is not as much, but when I look at Norway, there seems to be games where I find you can probably predict who's going to win this match and, and uh, with a bit more, bit more certainty. That's the feeling I get. So, yeah, I'm comfortable to make the case for Svenskan. Steve, what do you think? Uh, I agree. I actually agree with you here. I think Asvenskan is the more competitive league. 
Um, I'm, I'm not saying certainly I'm not saying it's the best league, but it, it is the more competitive league. There's a reason I'm writing previews for the Elite Serie and Jonathan. There's a reason I'm predicting matches over there because you're right. There's some very obvious calls to make, and uh, that's good from my point of view. But yeah, competitive probably is, is our Svenskan. Um, thanks for the question, Rafa. Anyway, um, interesting stuff. Uh, when, you so say, when you say obvious calls, can you give some give a bit more background on that? Because obviously, you you know, you cover it and your your aim is to predict results right so just give us a bit more insight on that. Uh, there's some very i mean for example Mulder have won 25 of the last 30 home games buddha glimpse have won they won 100 percent home matches last year i mean historically there's some massive fortresses at home like rosenborg would rarely even lose at home when they were winning their titles i feel that like was a big discrepancy between the top and the bottom like can you imagine sandifield this year or me and Donald really getting anything against the top four not not me um it just there's not that many shocks you know there's there's generally not that many matches that i'm really like wow that's a shock of course there's always going to be some but i think um the big teams are usually going to batter the the the, the crap ones quite easily you're not going to get a malmo ostersons very often in norway for example yeah that's 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 exactly my feeling and i think it was only highlighted by some of the games we're going to talk about now um as we mentioned obviously you know, Malmo played Varberg and it was fairly close. And uh, and obviously, you know, other teams have played as well where it's been very close. Degafors beating Jurgen. I, I can't, I can't see that too many times in, in Norway. So yeah, good to get some insight there. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the question. Yeah, I mean, go back to these results uh, recently in our Svenskan round five. I and mean, what else caught your eye um, of the other games? Yeah, well, if we just run through the through the games, I mean. Um, one thing that caught my eye was, uh, a, 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 I mean, I wouldn't say it's a shock result, but Mialbi beating Ostersunds. You know, Ostersunds have had a good start to the season, but results have just started to taper off a little bit now. Uh, you know, they've they've had a few defeats now in a row. Obviously lost at home to Varberg last week, which we didn't talk about. We didn't cover Ostersunds uh, last week. Um, so their good start to the season is kind of kind of over. You know, they battered Orebro, didn't they? They got a point at Malmo, and, and now they've lost two, two on a spin. Um, narrow defeats. You know, Varberg was a 90th minute defeat. Uh, Ostersunds had gone one nil up, and then this week as well, they've they've lost to a one nil, um, you know, against Mialbi, a narrow defeat again. But it's not a good sign for Ostersunds, you know, because they do need to get as many points on the board as possible, especially against teams like Varberg and uh, and Mialbi. The highlight of the game for me, Steve, was the goal itself, because I mean, I did mention on this preseason podcast that Jacob Bergstrom is one beast of a, a unit of a player, a beast. And uh, his goal, if anyone's seen his goal, he actually runs into the, he, he closes down. It's one of those ones where, you know, you, 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 you close down the cross and you tap it in from sort of four or five yards. And he absolutely clatters into the post as he, as he scores. And Steve, I don't think I've ever seen this in football. The post nearly, the whole goal frame nearly fall, like the goal frame came off worse than Bergstrom. I mean, the goal, if you watch it, the goal frame nearly falls apart. Uh, I've never seen a goal post like nearly snap in two. And Bergstrom came off fine. Um, it really highlighted to me that player. I, I like Bergstrom. I think he's an absolute unit of a player. And um, there aren't many target men like him around, you know, real ox, strong as an ox he is. Uh, and a perfect example of that was how, you know, he nearly managed to snap a, uh, a goalpost from, by clattering into him. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good win for me, Albi. I think they needed that. Um, but uh, a bit of a poor defeat for us. For it takes me, Albi, up to ninth. I mean, they're, they're at it here, Malby. They've scored two goals all season. They've got seven points. I mean, how are they doing it? It's crazy. They're, 
they're 100% on under 2.5 matches. In fact, their results read 0 0, 0 2, 0 1, 1 1 0. I mean, that's awful. I mean, this is like French football sort of scores here. And, you know, they're not the greatest side to watch, are they? Yeah, it seems. But hey, you know, they got seven points on the board. Fair play to them. Um, some other games uh, from the weekend. Hammerby had an exciting one, didn't they? Three two against Sirius there. Yeah, they did. I still think they're very um, porous. I, th- I still think they leak too many goals to be taken seriously as as their sort of title contenders. That's for sure. But they're they're in seventh. They've, they've scored eight and conceded eight. So that sort of sums them up. You know, they're always going to score, but they're always going to concede. Um, so there's zero goal difference, of course. Uh, yeah, it was a good win for them. Um, Sirius are looking sort of fairly competitive. I think they'll be a tough team. Yeah. Uh, on their day, they're a hard side to break down and, and, and sort of get the better of. Uh, Hammerby went 2 0 up, clearly, and Yepi Anderson. Um, Sirius pulled it back to 2 1. Then Akin Kumiamu scored to make it 3 2. And then Ekin Bullet uh, with a sort of 90th minute goal to reduce the scoreline. But yeah, Hammerby drew 1 0 with Hacken as well last week. Um, so yeah, four points in their last two games has sort of helped push them up the table a little bit after their first uh, their sort of rocky start to the season. So uh, yeah, but Sirius, Sirius are above them; they're in sixth, and uh, that just shows you sort of how well Sirius have been doing so far this season. They're a team that I wasn't, I found it hard to predict them because they got the new manager and a lot of squad changes and stuff. Uh, but this was their first defeat of the season, so they were unbeaten in the first four. So yeah, that's um, that's an interesting one, and Sirius are going quite well. Elsewhere, a good comeback from Cal- for Kalmar against Elfsborg from two down. Malmo with a 3-2 win against uh, Varberg. Plenty of goals around there. Um, I mean, what have you made of that? Of, of that? There's certainly some teams that are more involved in sort of goals matches and, and others that are just plain boring, it seems. Yeah, well, the interesting one for me was uh, Varberg-Malmo. I mean, Malmo made, Varberg made it a lot tougher than I, I would have expected, uh, I think. I, I, they weren't great. You know, 0.63 xG against Malmo's 2.03 xG, uh, 3-2 in the end. Malmo played a 4-2-3-1. Varberg sort of packed the back line. We talked about 5-3-2s, haven't we, Steve? And Varberg went for a 5-4-1, you know, had a five-man back line. Uh, and they just sort of looked to try and try and uh, reduce the damage. But Malmo kind of struggled. It was a game you would have expected maybe would be, you know, we talked about comp- competitiveness. You'd expect Malmo to win this sort of comfortably. But no, Varberg... Uh, Bubba gave a good effort of it and uh, and and did okay. So um, yes, yeah, so this like I say at this moment in time, I feel like the league is really quite competitive. Um, so yeah, and uh, in terms of uh, the other game you mentioned, Elspeth Kalmar, I'll be honest, I can't comment on this one. I didn't see it, but uh, a two or draw, Kalmar are going really really well at the moment. I'm sure that uh, our good friend uh, over Petson will be will be happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a decent. Um, a decent start to the season for Kalmar. They, they are. I did say in preseason that I think they'll go quite well, and uh, so far they're they're proving me right. They're the only Osvenskan team that is still has an unbeaten record. Yes, and uh, that's that's interesting. Only one team still unbeaten after five games. That's a real surprise, isn't it? The one of the game um, was Urubu won uh, Halmstad nil, a first victory for Urubu, and I. Th- Yes, Dennis Hummett is off the mark. Uh, he's a player I quite like. I think this is a big year for him. I think he's got something to prove in Osvenskan Gans show. He can do it consistently. Finally got his first goal and he looked so happy when he scored. Actually, he ran off and he, he looked delighted. Uh, I forgot to mention as well, by the way, Malmo, but Berman Savage got his, his first goal as well for the club. So uh, he'll be happy with that. He's um, you know, he's a new, one of their two new signings. 
but yeah, for Odebro, it was a much, much needed win. There was rumours Axel Kjell's job could be under threat if, if they lost this one. Uh, so uh, poor defending from Halmstad for the goal. You know, they 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 kind of give it, gave it away. They they defensively, you know, they've been pretty. They've been okay. One goal conceded. You know, five conceded in five. They've been decent considering they've been newly promoted. But that was a, a poor goal to concede, really, an individual mistake, and Homer uh, sort of got on the end of a cross uh, to tap in close range. So yeah, a reprieve for Odebro. They they finally get some uh, well a win on the board. Yeah, and uh, thanks very much for all the questions that have come. Just one coming late as we're actually going on on, on air now from Team Overs. Uh, Alsfenskin best eleven against Elite Serian best eleven. Who would win? I think we're probably going to need a little bit more time to think about that one, aren't we, Jonathan? But uh, no doubt we will answer that in the future. Um, but yeah, again, once again, I really appreciate all your uh, support um, on on the Twitter with the questions, all the patrons as well. You know who you are. Thank you very much. And. Um, yeah, I think that about wraps it up for this this episode, eh, Jonathan? Yeah, well, we've got a midweek round, as, as we mentioned, so uh, I'll just read read some of the... Well, every team's playing, basically, but we've got Hakan Odebro, Jürgen, mm-hmm. Sirius, Elfborg, Kalmar, EFK, that should be a good game. That's one I'll be keeping an eye on. Varberg, Hammerby, uh, and then this Thursday, we've got Halmstad, Mialby, AIK, Malmo, huge game. And then Norshopping, Degafors, Battle of the 3-4-3s as well, which I, I may have a little eye on as well. So uh, yeah, some some big games, and uh, I'm I'm really enjoying the season so far. I think the tactical flexibility and the a lot of teams are going for it. Even smaller teams, they're, they're attacking, and uh, like I say, that tactical flexibility has made made teams. You know, Osvenskan used to be a very much four four two kind of um, you know meat and two veg kind of league, but uh, there's there's a bit of spice and flavour about it now at the moment, and uh, long may it continue because I, I really am enjoying. It. That's good to hear. Uh, glad that you got your mojo there for the league, uh, Jonathan, and. Uh... Yeah, unfortunately, you do have that six-week break to look, well, I say look forward to, but I'm sure you'll be disappointed as well. Yeah, well, I will be gutted about that. So get your fixation in now um, before, you know, you have to have this sort of drought over there and you can get your Elite Assyrian fix instead. Maybe you might even switch over to somewhere like Finland for a little bit. <laughs> well, we have a, I think we had a question about Finland, didn't we, recently? I'll have to go back through the messages. But, but one thing I did know, one thing that will happen in Osvenskan, obviously, Steve, is we will... There'll be a tra- the transfer window will open the summer transfer window, so you know the league could look very different by the time we come yeah. back because mm. players like Akun Kumiyamu, for example, I think he'll be probably very very highly coveted. Uh, Joseph Akumu Elsborg, I think there's French and Belgian clubs looking at him. So yeah, that you know by the time we actually come back from this break, could, think things could look very very different, uh, and it could change the course of the season. Brilliant, and we look forward to doing another episode again very soon. There's also going to be an episode with a, a guest, a coach in, in Scandinavia coming out very soon, an in-depth uh, episode there. Um, so look out for that. And uh, we'll be back again next week, my friend. Uh, it was a pleasure as always. And uh, I'll see you very soon. Yeah, if you haven't followed us on Patreon, we do do some bonus episodes at times, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, check out the fancy leagues as well. Um we Osvenskan doesn't tend to update his league that quickly, so we can't read the. They the, are slow. They yeah, are so slow. Yeah, we can't read out the leaderboard at the moment because they haven't updated it. So, um, but yeah, and uh, yeah, thanks a lot to our patrons and, and of course, as I say, Twitter at Nordic Footpod. Uh, go back if you haven't listened to the preseason previews; it's all out there now. Tons of content this last ten weeks or ten episodes. So uh, I hope you're enjoying it, and uh, thanks to all the new listeners and new followers because we have had a. a 
groundswell of uh, followers, haven't we, recently, Steve? So, yeah, thanks a lot for joining us again on this episode. And uh, goodbye from me, Jonathan Fiduba. I have honestly seen more movement in a sloth than the Alsvenskan fantasy getting updated. It, 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 it's frustrating. Anyway, yes, that's my rant. Um, goodbye, everyone. Take care, and I'll see you again very soon.